0: Sports Beat Live post game edition from Arrowhead Stadium. Sports Beat is brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. I am joined by my colleagues uh, on, on a grim day. Uh, uh, I'm joined first. We'll get into all that in a second here. But I'm joined by my colleague, Sam McDowell. Welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Hey,
0: same Samo. same old. Also joining us, Jesse Newell, who covers the University of Kansas. Uh, but he's joining us for all our cheese covers. Jesse, how are you, my friend? Hey, doing well. Thanks. And lastly but not least, Lila. Lila covers the University of Missouri, but she's also helping out with our cheese covers. Lila, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me. How are you doing, Herbie?
0: Hey, we're we're rocking and rolling. vaje Gregorian, our columnist, will join us late, but we are gonna start off with this. Hey, I think Patrick Mahomes said it best. When you're up 21 to 3 in the game. You can't lose it. And he put it on himself. Mahomes said that in his post-game presser. And, of course, I am talking about the Chiefs' 27-24 to loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, an upset win in the minds of a lot of people in the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead Stadium. Sam, as we get ready to break this down, I know you wrote a piece on arguably one of the worst playoff defeats for the Chiefs. Uh, go ahead and take a dive into that. Why do you think – that was the worst loss. And,
1: and how do we get to this point here?
0: Well, I mean, most
1: simply, this this team has Patrick Mahomes. You know, the, this, this stadium has experienced plenty of games like this. They've, they've lost bigger leads than this. They have lost games in which they were larger favorites than the seven-point favorite they were today. Um, but the combination of those two, and then those teams did not have Patrick Mahomes. There was no Patrick Mahomes in the Lynn Elliott game. And the no punt game, and the only field goal game, and the Marcus Mariota pass to himself game, and you know when you're up 21 to three, you have a 97 percent chance to win. Uh, Jesse found that stat from next-gen Stats, and you have the best player in the world standing on your sideline. I, I, I just I think the totality of that package um, makes it the worst loss that this team's experienced, and, and that what really hits me is that. This this team had fooled, as I phrased it, their their fans to believing that this was part of their past. And here it is, you know, with Patrick Mahomes, year four of him starting, and it's every bit as part of their present as it was back then.
0: Yeah, when you look at the stats there, and Jesse is our stat guy, so to speak, because he loves diving in the stats. The Chiefs were rolling. In the first half. Three of their first four possessions, touchdowns. Mahomes came out of there with 220 yards passing and three touchdowns, one to Tyreek Hill, one to Travis Kelsey, and the last one to McCall Hardman. The second half was completely different. 55 yards passing total from Mahomes in that second half. What in the world happened in that second half, Jesse? What happened there? Let me before you get to that question. There was a play in the first quarter where the Chiefs had an opportunity before halftime to potentially go up another touchdown first take us through that 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 play there and then we'll dive into
3: next what happened in that second half well first off i've taken myself off the mute button so i have gotten myself away from what every person on a zoom call has done uh, so far so that that's the first step for me but yeah I know i wrote about that uh, the play at the end of the first half you know, five seconds left um tracy wolfson from cbs does a great job she says on the broadcast that patrick Mahomes. Basically, with no timeouts left on the one-yard line, tells Andy Andy Reid like, "Give me a chance. Give me one play. I can do this." Basically, and again, I kind of go back in the history. Think about last week. Um, Andy Reid trusts Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes to go like run their own routes and do their own thing and do this audible in the middle of chaos with 13 seconds left and it treats them. Well, they go and they, they get 25 yards to Kelsey on a route that he basically made up on the fly and they march down the field and they get that game time field goal and they make it to the AFC championship game. So, um, you know, if you're looking at Sam, Sam made this point, the chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and, and so much of last week, when you talk about like the option play and, and people criticizing that, it's like, why would you take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes hands in that situation? Well, in this scenario, Andy Reid put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. And so that, to me, Sam, might be kind of more big picture... Troubling's not the word, because Patrick is great, and he's amazing, and he's an alien, and, and he's what has led this team to the heights it has. But yeah, the second half, when Cincinnati, especially, dropped eight in the coverage. It was something that uh, Patrick didn't really respond to that well. I mean, uh, they had some stats online about that, where you know when they dropped eight plus in the coverage, it was more than Patrick Mahomes had seen all year, and he really did not respond well to it. You saw he would sit in the pocket, sit in the pocket, sit in the pocket, wouldn't make a decision, wouldn't make a decision. Uh, They had a spy on him, so he couldn't scramble, and they were really forcing him to make throws, and he was indecisive. And that might be the most shocking part of this whole thing is that. Up twenty-one to three, or whatever scenario you want to say, ninety-seven percent chances to win. The Chiefs repeatedly put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands, and uh, you know he didn't lead him to win. And that, to me, is kind of shocking at this point in time because we've seen him do that so many times, including last week, including the week before. All those times. So the fact that he didn't come through in those crucial moments, um, that's a little bit surprising, and, and that's what maybe is most surprising to me after this game.
1: You know, the, the all teams all season long have dared Patrick Mahomes to be patient. Um, in a different way. With the two deep shell, they're not blitzing much. And late in the season, we've tried to analyze sufficiently, I think, in the the ways that the offense has changed and solved those problems. When you ask Patrick Mahomes, why is the offense different than it was during their midseason struggles? The first thing he would always say is, I've learned to be patient. And I felt like the Bengals today said, prove it. And in the second half, they were not only dropping guys into coverage. When you watch their defensive line they were building a little bit of a wall to where the, the object of the the, the pass rush it, it did not seem was to literally rush the passer, but make sure the passer doesn't get by you, make sure he doesn't scramble by you for, for large chunks. And Patrick Mahomes, I mean, we we saw him. At, sometimes he would scramble out to his right, just set up shop there, and look for something, and he couldn't find anything open. And the interception I thought was a play of, of a product of impatience. Because the screen pass was never there, that ball should have been thrown away, and you could argue the play in overtime was as well. Um, you know, I know it's third down, and those equations are different. You know, you're, you're more likely and apt to, to force a pass on third down because you're going to punt the ball anyway. Um, but I didn't feel like that pass was necessary anyway. And let's let's face it, I mean, I think we all knew the thing was that, it was that ball. Only needed a field goal, that was probably the end of the game. The thing that surprised me the most,
0: Sam, and you bring up a very good point, because if you remember during uh, Mahomes' post-game media availability, I asked him that question, what What were the Bengals doing? And he he specifically said, hey, you had, I was taking shots down the field when things were open underneath. When we know that he's adjusted to that, how, how shocking was that to hear him? And first off, kudos to him for taking credit, you know, taking accountability for that. But how shocking was that to you when you heard him say, yeah, I was – I was trying to force it too much down the field.
1: Well, I mean, it's an admission of what we all saw, um, and I think his personality is to take the to take the blame, even sometimes when the blame is not on him. And I mean, let, let's be real. I mean, there's plenty of blame to go around in this game. The, the stretch is well beyond Patrick Mahomes. You know, the, the first drive of the second half which after the way the first half ended that Jesse just described, I think it magnifies the importance of that first drive coming out of the second half. You're basically trying to play make it, take it there. You've missed the make it part about it. You still get the ball back. When that amplifies the importance of to to score on that drive or at least not go three and out, and two of the drives on that sequence were dropped passes. Tyreek Hill had a ball in his hand. I understand it's in traffic, but he's got to catch the ball. Third down play, Mahomes, I thought he could have just thrown a straight ball to Travis Kelsey, instead he tries to lob one. I think that took Kelsey by surprise. It still falls right into his hands and he drops it. And that's those are the issues that were plaguing the Chiefs midseason. And so I, I just thought today that it was just a, a classic case of one drive snowballing into another. They didn't execute on one drive. Patrick Holmes feels like he's got to do more on the next drive. Um, and I thought that was indicative of the entire second half. So to hear him say it, I guess I'm not too surprised because I, I think – Throughout this season and let's face it, the last four years, we've seen that he's willing to acknowledge whenever he's part of the problem. And that's why I thought today. He sort of said he was the problem. I, th- I thought he was part of the problem.
0: And that's a very good point. And we are joined now by our esteemed columnist, Vahe Gregorian. Vahe, welcome to Sportsbeat Live, our postgame edition.
4: I was hoping you'd say esteemed. Thanks. am glad to be with you. Finally.
0: <laughs> You are esteemed, though. I I left that out. I purposely left that out, but I didn't need to say because you already know. But before I get to you, a question for you. Lila, what stood out to you the most about that first half and the transition to the second half?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has touched on it a little bit, but just, I mean, just how ineffective the offense looked, you know, really stood out, especially – I think, and I think Jesse or someone mentioned this, especially given what we had seen last week with the Bills game and them looking unstoppable, Um, you know, they looked so good against the Steelers and seemed to have turned everything around. So to see, you know, the offense be so ineffective, I think it was, you know, 83 total yards uh, of offense in the second half. Um, We touched on Mahomes' stats a little bit. So to just kind of see them completely stifled, because I think... I mean, it felt to me at some point the Bengals' offense was going to, you know, get going. Um, And, you know, if you'd gotten a bit more from the Chiefs' offense, I, I, you know, don't think that would have ended up mattering as much. They just kind of need a bit more there. Um, And it was just really shocking to kind of see this offense look so ineffective after looking so unstoppable for so many weeks.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point, Lila, because this actually leads right into Vahe. Vahe, I know you wrote a column about last week we saw the best of the Chiefs, you know, 13 seconds will live forever in Chiefs lore. Why was that a sort of misleading coming into this game and, and the outcome of this game, uh, given this epic collapse,
4: so to speak? Well, look, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of parts to that, but I do think um, you can make the case. Uh, it's a reasonable case that one way or another, the Chiefs peaked a week early. And I I don't know whether we can say they didn't emotionally recover, but, somewhere in there is a combination of things rolled together that um, when, when they were in command, they did not have it in them to, to, to break this game open. And again, was that strategy? Was it some level of emotion? I don't know, but I think um, one of the apt things that came up last week, and it was kind of funny. I didn't think about it in the context of Al Michaels calling the game last week at the time, but, Uh, It did conjure some of the great calls in sports history, the way that game went. And uh, even the Do You Believe in Miracles uh, line from the 1980 USA-USSR hockey game. But the difference is, uh, we were talking about this among ourselves, I think, Um, that game, the context of that game in sports history uh, is forever different because the U.S. went on to beat Finland in the gold medal game. Um, And that's a little bit of what this is today. It's not... Not on the same tier, really, but it's just as a point of uh, reference. Um, the context of that game last week now changes with the Chiefs not winning today. It's, it's not part of the DNA of a great postseason run. It's a standalone marvel, which is great, but it's, it's different than, than what it might have been. One quick other thing I just want to point out because I'm worried I'll forget about it. Um, the whole thing here is that the Chiefs didn't put it away. What's a funny little parallel. It's probably just kind of a quirky coincidence to the Cincinnati game in in Cincinnati, but we all remember that Byron Pringle's uh, touchdown kickoff return got called back late in the first half in that game. That would have given the chiefs an 18 point lead. They, if they'd done something with that at the end of the half, maybe even the field goal was enough. It's still a different game in the second half. And the touchdown, though, would have been the knockout punch. I really believe that that in the parallel universe where the Chiefs scored a touchdown on that drive, it's over. Yeah. So it just seemed like they got caught in no man's land on that, and then they just got gunked up altogether in the second half offensively. Let's play a little uh, what-if scenario here.
0: If Andy Reid had the opportunity to do it again, or let's say
1: one of us has the headset on, Sam, do you kick a field goal there at the end of the first half? No, I, I go for the touchdown. You know, I think sometimes the right decision doesn't work out. Um, Now, the Chiefs tried to play both sides of the fence there. Their intention was not to go for the touchdown instead of go for the field goal. Their intention was, hey, the last play took four seconds. If this play only takes four seconds, you still have time to kick the field goal. The problem was the the play that they ran. And I actually don't even know if it's the play that they ran. We'll have Jesse chime in here because I know he's looked at that play or whether it's the option that Patrick Mahomes took on that play. Reed wanted to blame his own play call. Patrick Mahomes wanted to say, hey, you you can't throw it. And and he's right about this. You can't throw that ball in the flat shy of the end zone. It's got to be a quick pass to the end zone, and that's it. And then you make the decision, are you going to kick the field or are you going to go for it? But even with one second on the clock, I think it's the right decision to go for it. It's the same reason I I constantly say you should go for it on fourth down. I thought right there, if they score a touchdown, the game is over. They're up 18 points. They get the ball to open the second half. And you know, it turns into a big turning point the reverse way. But but like I said, I I think it's easy to criticize that decision when it doesn't work out. And before the play, I was saying they should go for it, and I, I still think sometimes the right decision is is you know has the wrong result.
0: Very well said, Jesse. And Sam mentioned it. You you probably did take a good look at it. What were some of Mahomes' options on that play? And he's right. Andy Reid did mention um, after the game I might have given them the wrong play call. But what, what what did you see there?
3: Yeah, so I, I think it's important to put in context. The previous play with nine seconds, the Chiefs actually had a pretty good play call where Mahomes was sprinting out of the pocket. They ran a rubber out for Tyreek Hill on the one yard line to try to get in the end zone. It's hard to tell on replay. It looked like Hill might have been open. Since um, I did a good job, they switched off um, their defensive backs. So they switched the receivers um, in midstream and were able to execute that. You know, Tony Romo brought that up on the broadcast. But I still thought there might have been an opening. The other thing, though, Holmes quickly threw it away, which got them. The four seconds gave them another opportunity. The second call, uh, you know, I try to study football. Um, I'm Looking back, it's, it's hard to exactly tell. Um, you know, the Chiefs run so many RPOs. I, I don't think it was an RPO, but – what ended up happening was there was at least play action, which obviously we all know they're not going to hand the ball off on the one-yard line. If they get stuffed, then the half is over with. But that took kind of a half a second, a second yeah. off the clock. And yeah. then they had Marcus Robinson and um, Ty, Travis Kelsey both kind of coming toward the middle of the end zone. And there was just a lot of traffic there. There were middle linebackers, a lot going on. I, I think I agree with Sam. If if Reed and Mahomes had it to do over again, I think they'd do the same thing. I think they'd go for the touchdown. I think Patrick Mahomes, he said in the postgame, he said, I got greedy. And I think, as Sam said, that greediness led to greediness in the second half because he felt like he was trying to get back what he lost at the end of the first half. And so I think if everything could go back over again, Mahomes takes one look, sees the whole play is mucked up, and he chucks it through the end zone, and there's two seconds left on the clock. Or a spike at their feet—that sort of thing—and I think that they kick the field goal. They're still up. They have the momentum, and they go into the second half of the football. That's what I think. Is that Sam? Is that where you're, you're? Yeah. Thinking?
1: I wondered if when Andy Reid said he called the wrong play, because we all know that Andy Reid is going to take the blame regardless. Yes. But I think when he said he called the wrong play, I still wonder if he means I should have called a one-read play, meaning you've got to throw it here, and if it's not open, you got to get rid of it. Um, I mean, an intentional grounding is is not. You know, first of all, it's never called we saw again today. Um, but I just think we throw it out of the back of the end zone in particular. You're not going to get called for that. You have the opportunity at the goal line to throw over receivers head. And it's less noticeable because you can throw it out of the end zone when you do it. So I think it's got to be one read is there or it's not. Get rid of the football. And well, that it, is going to take four seconds.
3: And, and I do want to say this. I mean, again, sometimes we don't know. what We don't know here. For sure. Andy Andy Reid called a really good play at nine seconds. You know, they got them the four seconds extra and potentially got Tyreek Hill open on a sideline route and allowed Patrick to throw it away. So it's like you're going a little bit further down the play sheet. And again, the fact that there was play action with this pass, which everybody in the stadium knows they're not going to run the football again. it, It might just be a step down on the play call list when your perfect call was at nine seconds your second best call was at five seconds or something you're trying to fit in there. And again, it's a chaos situation. You got 40 seconds. Patrick's asking you to to run the play. You probably think you're going to kick the field goal and hear your superstar quarterback tell you, I want to do this. I mean, who's to say no to the guy like Patrick Mahomes brought them here. I mean, we can, we can beat around the bush all we want to, but like how are you going to say no to Patrick Mahomes there? I mean, he is the one that has brought you to this place you put the ball in his hands and it didn't work out today for the chiefs. And obviously things kind of spiraled out of control after that, but I just don't think you can second guess that because any greed and Patrick Mahomes got here by having super faith and trust in each other. And that's how they're going to be successful moving forward too. Lala, you were nodding your head a lot there. Go ahead chime in. What are your thoughts here?
2: I just thought you guys brought up a really good point about kind of how, you know, possibly the kind of greed there is kind of what carried over of kind of getting, um, you know, not being able to get that play because I think that was definitely something we noticed. I think you know something that you know stood out to me a lot in the second half as well is they'd had a lot of really great success with with short passes um, in recent games, and I feel like we weren't seeing as much of that in the second half as well. Um, like we kind of mentioned, of, of the lack of patience and in, in going for deep shots, um, you know, just trying to look around on a lot of those plays and you know, either ending up in sacks or throwing the ball away. Um, so I, I think that was a really good point. And, you know, his patience was part of why they were clicking so well. And I think he really did notice that. I know we brought that up before, but that was just kind of why I was nodding my head. I think um, that was really a factor that I was missing in the second half.
0: Vahe, same question to you, my friend. You know, everyone has articulated why they want they would go for a touchdown. But, you know, what would you do there if, if you're the coach? You take the points or you, you also go for the juggler?
1: Yeah, let's I'm let's ask for, our most conservative guy on here what
4: he would have done. If I'm have good. I'm good with going for the touchdown, and and it's just it, these guys really. Everybody has uh, articulated it really well. What you know, they get stranded sort of in between in some ways. The thing I wanted to just shift focus to this, and you guys may have talked about it earlier. I'm sorry if you have, but the the, the sequence that I think is really haunting is is the end of regulation.
1: Yeah,
4: I mean. When they got first and goal at the five, they had everything they wanted. In fact, our thoughts in the press box were, well, the Bengals have to just throw them into the end zone and let them score.
0: Yeah, go ahead. and When are the Bengals going to call freeway? That's right. Yeah.
4: So the Bengals used their last timeout after McKinnon's one-yard run to the four-yard line. It's second and goal at the four. The Chiefs Chiefs have their timeouts. They're in great shape. And instead – they get the one sack, but then the second sack was really troubling. I thought because Patrick just waited way too long. Now I don't, you know, at that point they're at the nine; they're not going for it, right? Even if he throws an incompletion, but that was really odd to me. It was a very, a very odd, odd management of the situation, and I think it's really indicative of what what was going wrong with them in the second half. They they were just. I don't know, I don't know if anybody's gotten a chance to really understand what the Bengals did differently. It wasn't just the Chiefs screwing up, but I don't really have a feel for how the Bengals, you know, changed everything. I just know that they had 34 yards in their first drives, five drives in the second half. and even when they finally got the yardage they needed on that last drive, they they couldn't put the biscuit in the basket. Yeah, and you're right, And a lot of offensive issues, but I also think there were probably some issues on
0: defense as well. Before we get onto the defensive side, we're gonna take a quick break here with a quick ad from our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System.
2: March 4th, 2015, I got out of the shower and felt a lump in my left breast.
0: We were able to quickly uncover that she had two subtypes of breast cancer, each of them requiring separate and unique treatment plans.
2: This is why you come to the University of Kansas Cancer Center. It is critical to be treated by a team of experts in that specific cancer type. If you don't start with us, I think you'll have more questions than answers. Why would you go anywhere
3: else?
0: Thank you to our sponsors, the University of Health System, the University of Kansas Health System. All right, so we spent a good portion of the first half of the yes. show talking about the
1: offense. Or we, um, just, to, just I, I wanted to, to add on to what baje said about the end of regulation um, because I think that's an important point, uh, the, the broader scope of what the Chiefs did in the second half today. We, we tried to spend time figuring out what the Bengals were doing differently, and I watched a lot of the Bengals stuff. They swear they didn't really change much. The Chiefs changed a lot offensively, and namely they went away from the run. The way that the Bengals were defending the Chiefs, they were daring the Chiefs to run the football. And on the first couple drives, the Chiefs said, we'll take it. And then when you look at the overtime and and second-half stats combined, the Chiefs still ran 12 carries, 67 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. In overtime and and the second-half combined passing, they threw the ball 18 times for 55 yards and two interceptions. One half of their game was considered – of the game was considerably more effective than the other and they kept using the other and so that, that's all related to the end of the game there first and five first of the from the five yard line especially when you want the clock rolling i'm thinking at that point run the ball three times you know i understand if you get back up to the four or five whatever but go with what's working and the run the run with what's working and i actually thought andy Reid acknowledged a little bit of that um after the game yeah,
0: but there are also some issues on defense, and I'll, I'll say this, okay. Joe Burrow in that Cincinnati offensive line last week against the Tennessee Titans, nine sacks, 13 quarterback hits. This, this seemed like a, a nice little matchup for Chris Jones, Melvin Ingram, Frank Clark, and company. Uh, in, in the bottom stat line here, the Kansas City Chiefs had one sack and four quarterback hits, and, and meanwhile, that allows the Bengals and Joe Burrow to come roaring back Down 21 to three, and next thing you know, they have a 24 21 lead. Vahe, because we talked about this on Thursday's show, how surprised were you to see the lack of a
4: pass rush from the Chiefs' defensive front? Well, I I thought they'd get to him more, and I I think all of us can, without looking back even at the play by play, we can think of probably three or four times off the tops of our heads where he eluded guys that that really had him. if not in the grass, but at least uh, you know a bead on him, and I. So I think you know credit to him uh, for his anticipation, uh, awareness, mobility. He he really uh, w- was smart and elusive when he needed to be. Two more of those sacks changed the game. I mean, it, you know it, it 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 would again. It's funny. I, I, all these things we say this all the time, but it's. Uh, Games sometimes are won and lost in dramatic ways, but a lot of times it's in the paper cuts along the way, and that's 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 a couple of the paper cuts. They, they, they had four sacks on them last game and couldn't generate the same pressure, and I thought they would be better. I thought they would have learned more about how to deal with him than, than they did maybe. I mean, obviously, Jamar Chase didn't have the same kind of game, um, but I, I don't think overall they were as effective as you might have hoped they'd be.
0: Yeah, and Kyle brings up a good point. The defense was exhausted in that second half because of the offense sputtering so much. So when the offense is three and out and punting the weight, then obviously the defense had to come out on the field a lot. You mentioned Jamar Chase. Lila, at the beginning of the game, I know you were talking about you wanted to watch who was covering Jamar Chase based on what he did against the Chiefs back in Week 17. What did you see? What did the Chiefs do different this time around to effectively take away Jamar Chase? Yeah, I I mean, I think –
2: I think what you're mentioning, what I had mentioned, what really stood out—I don't know if it was the first drive or the second drive, one of those two drives um, where you know the Bengals were in the end zone. I think it was when they had to settle for a field goal on um, one of those first drives of the game. I thought they played better individual defense on him, at least in, the, in that first half. Um, I think it was uh, Travis Ward on him for about one play in the end zone where he got kind of his hand on it and tipped it a little bit. And then it bobbled out of Chase's hands and um, the play before that, I think it was, you know, another one-on-one uh, with Higgins. I think it was that there was another, uh, you know, stop there. Um, so I thought they did do a better job with that. I think the point that you guys kind of mentioned of by the time you get in the second half, you know, guys are exhausted and, um, you know, you're not getting as much, but I thought, especially in the first half, um, they were really able to, you know, stifle him better than they were in previous games Um But even, you know, with him ending with 54 yards today, you're still then, you know, giving up 103 yards to um, T. Higgins. So it's kind of that give and take there, which they talked about leading into the week is, you know, you focus all your attention on him. They've still got two other guys who can hurt you. And I think you kind of saw a little bit of that today in the second half, especially.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. Sam, to you, because, you know, we, we had talked off on the side about this as well, you know, back to the pass rush. How concerned were you when, as you're watching this game progress that they were not able to consistently get a good, effective
1: pass rush on Joel Burrow? Yeah, I mean, it was their biggest advantage, right? I mean, you know, the Chiefs have invested their entire defensive salary outside of Tyron Matthew in their pass rush. I mean, that's the way this team is built to win. And by the way, it's the Bengals' weakness. Um, so, sure, I absolutely felt that was going to be a big advantage. Um, but I do agree with, I think it was Kyle Coffey's point on there, the defense isn't the reason they lost this game. I mean, they, they had – when the offense sputtered in the second half, they put the defense in bad situations, back-to-back drives. The defense got a stop and then forced them to a field goal. That should have been the, the Chiefs' chance to say, hey, this was a scare. We could have lost this game, but our defense bailed us out on these back-to-back drives. I mean, you look at the possession sheet. The Bengals scored two touchdowns and ten drives. Going into the game – Especially knowing that the Chiefs were going to put up 21 in the first half, you have to win that game with the way your defense played today. You know they didn't run; they didn't. The Bengals didn't run the ball particularly well today. I think they're about four yards a carry. Burrow didn't pass the ball that all that well overall. Uh, Lila mentioned Jamar Chase didn't have the same game he had last time against them. They were better at the point of the ball, um, at the point of the reception, than they were the last time they placed the, the face the Bengals. I don't think that the defense had its best day, but I don't think any of the top ten reasons they lost this game today were because of the defense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let me just quit. I'll just let me just
4: chime in with that too. You know, you, you referred to the first two drives. Chiefs punt, Chiefs punt, defense holds them to uh one field goal, pretty good. And that's when you need the offense to say, Okay, as you said, it's been a scare. Now we'll, now we'll just take back over. I mean, it's twenty one thirteen at that point. A touchdown still is a big buffer. And what do they do? That's the interception, which, you know, was probably an understated play in this game. That that interception by B.J. Hill that, that was telegraphed and you know otherwise ill considered, just boom right in there. So the defense that's held, uh, you know, after a couple offensive fizzle outs now is put um, a, a, with its back to, at at the twenty-seven yard line. Yeah, and that that that's where it starts to all all go
1: really awry at that point. Yeah, but that's – That's one of the only two. I was just going to say, real quick, they only gave up two touchdowns. One of them was twenty-seven yards. One of them was just a twenty-seven-yard drive. So um, they didn't put their defense in great positions in the second half. Go ahead, Lyla.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, Sam had mentioned earlier the defense giving the offense opportunities. Something that really stood out to me is Legarius Need gets that interception in the fourth quarter at a point where you know the Bengals have you know the offense for the Chiefs has done, you know, really nothing in the half. And, and the Bengals are, you know, en route to a comeback. You're at, at the start of the fourth quarter and the Chiefs then get the ball back and, you know, it ends in a three and out with, uh, with Patrick Mahomes with a big sack at the end of that. And that was one sequence that really stood out to me as a, a missed opportunity there where, you know, the defense, when things were really sputtering, got them a big play with that interception that felt like it could be a game-changing play. But the offense then isn't able to make up for it on the upper end and, you know, has that big sack.
0: When we look back at this game, and I'm going to start with you, Vahe, because we, Sam wrote a good piece, you know, after the game, was this the worst loss in, in playoff for the Chiefs playoff history? Was this their worst playoff loss? But as, as you try to capture the 2021 season and how the season started and you know, the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows of an of a NFL season and it finishes like this, where, where would you put this?
4: Well, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a major disappointment in a lot of different ways. And one of them is, okay, so now the Chiefs have been to the Final Four for four straight years. They have one Super Bowl to show for it. And there's every reason to think they're going to be hanging around this level for some years to come. On the other hand, that window every year, you don't, do something with it gets a little shorter, a little smaller, a little tighter. Um, you, you know, you, you just don't know uh, the, the flux that's ahead, um, the aging, uh, all kinds of things like that. And it's not just an automatic reset every year that, that oh, you know, they'll just, you know, push a button and they're going to be back here again. So I, I think that we're on the, on the edge of asking, uh, you know, about squandered opportunities now. And especially with the dynamics of this game where you have the big lead and Sam McDowell, I, I, I can't remember if you guys said you did talk about this, but he was going to, you know, analyze where this stacks up, certainly in the, in the considerable annals of, of agonizing postseason chiefs losses. And this has its own, own little flavor, own little context, because I think we all thought maybe there was a little inoculation against this in the Mahomes era
0: And that's a good point because here's here's what I was going to say. If the Chiefs win this game and go to the third straight Super Bowl, is would we have been tossing around the D word? Is this Chiefs team a dynasty now, Sam? Would you have considered this team a dynasty had they gone to the Super Bowl?
1: No, um, but you know, I thought one of the most interesting things we heard today from a very somber set of Zoom conferences. Was Patrick Mahomes when I asked him just like, what's the fresh feeling? What, what's going through your mind right now? He mentioned the way 2018 ended, the way 2019 ended, the way 2020 ended, and the way tonight ended. And so I, I just thought it was very telling that he's thinking already, we had four chances to win the Super Bowl and we've won one of them. And to Vahe's point, you don't know how many, how often these opportunities are, are, are going to be. We all thought last year when they lost to Tampa, they'll probably have another chance this year. Here we are sitting here at Arrowhead talking about a playoff loss. They didn't get to the Super Bowl this year. You know, I don't think we're going to all think, you know, that it's going to be this Aaron Rodgers route where this team's going to lose constantly in the playoffs with the best player in the league. But it's one more example where they just lost with the best player in the league. And I think what's what's more difficult, and Jesse and I were talking about this after the game, it feels like it was Chiefs against the field. And the way that, you know, KU's had some of those playoff losses, postseason losses that Jesse's covered, it didn't feel like to me that it was, hey, who's going to win the Super Bowl? It was are the Chiefs going to win or is somebody else going to win? And you don't often put yourself in that position. You've got to take advantage when you do.
2: And
1: take I it away, like Jesse. Up. I see you grinning.
0: Are you on mute?
3: Yeah. I mean, I was talking with Sam. You know, Yeah, I, I was talking with Sam covering KU. Um This was the VCU loss. You can argue whether um, the VCU loss for Kansas in 2010 was the most disappointing. They've had other games where they were leading by more and didn't blow it or did blow it and games that were more disappointing. But when KU lost to VCU in the Elite Eight in 2010, they were about 50% to win the whole thing because there was just nobody left in the bracket. And hate to say it for Chiefs fans, but that's what this is. That's a missed opportunity. You know, you look at 538's numbers, they were 47% to win the Super Bowl before today. But – I was considering the Bengals were most likely their most, their toughest opponent left uh, or them or the Rams. And the chiefs at one point were 97% to win this game. So you add that to the 47 and you're probably looking at about two thirds of a chance of winning a Super Bowl. So uh, you, these guys have mentioned it. They're exactly right. You don't get these chances every day when 97% is in your grasp, when 32 out of 33 is in your grasp, you can't let it slip through your fingers. And that's, that's the disappointment of today. I mean, we can point to a million different reasons the Chiefs lost and what they couldn't hold on to. But the bottom line is they couldn't get it done when it was there for them at 21-3 to and then 21-10 to with the ball on the one-yard line. And that's what's going to sting for a lot of months now. Hey, Kyle Coffee
0: agrees with you. He says, quote, dang it, Jesse. I tried to avoid that comparison, but this is KU slash VCU, end quote. Lila, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Go ahead, chime in with your thoughts there.
2: Yeah, I think that... The point, you know, Vahe made in his column about this window, it is only going to get tighter, I think, because, I mean, look at – I talked about this last week, I believe, but, I mean, look at who, you know, the Chiefs faced in these playoffs with, uh, you know, Joe Burrow and this young Bengals team and the Bills. You know, with the Bills, uh, Josh Allen started coming into his own this year. That seems like something that, you know, he's only going to get better. With Joe Burrow, he didn't – you know, he was injured last year. This is the first year that he's really – played that he has his first year of jamar chase in the league jamar chase is just a rookie um that offensive line you know that's probably going to be a huge priority for them over the offseason i would i would imagine um you know you look at the ravens and they were completely banged up this year uh, that completely took them out of a race i mean i think the afc only gets harder from here because you have so much uh you know of this young talent moving forward um I mean, I think it's just the road. I think moving forward to get back to this spot just gets a lot tougher because you have all this young talent coming up in the AFC because you'll have, uh, you know, Ravens and some other teams, you know, back healthy.
0: Yeah, that, that's a perfect – go ahead, Sam. I thought you were going to say something. didn't mean to cut you off. Okay. That, that, that's perfect lead into what's next for the Chiefs, okay? What we know is – and Frank Clark said this. Hey, I got some friends who've been sitting on the on their couches watching football. He's about to join them. That's it for the players. But as far as the front office and the coaching staff is concerned, they're about ready to shift attention to the draft, the combine, uh, the, the business side of football with free agency. And then we got Tyron Matthew who talked to us. And, Sam, you and I have written a lot about him uh, over the offseason. He's in the final year of his contract. But it was Lila who wrote about him the day after the game. Lila, what did Tyron say?
2: Yeah, when he got asked about his future of Kansas City, I mean, he got, you know, You know, choked up a little bit and pretty emotional, just saying that, you know, he really does want to be back here. And, you know, from all indications that, uh, you know, this is really where he wants to be next year. Um, You know, I know ownership, Herbie, you had written an article in in November about, you know, them saying that, uh, you know, it's a priority to have him return. Um, And and I just thought it was very telling the, the emotion he showed there and how much he, you know, really cares about being with this franchise and this team.
0: Vahe, as a columnist, what would it mean if the Chiefs are not able to get something done before the start of the NFL's new calendar year, which is in March, if they can't get anything done with Matthew at that point?
4: Well, look, I, I, I guess you'd never say never, but I but I think that is, I, unless somebody's ready to tell me what what's different than, I, than I'm not thinking of, I can't think of any priority they have bigger than that uh, going into the offseason. And honestly, what's a little weird, here they are, they, they just lost. Uh-oh, running out of power. Uh, they just lost in, in this round. I'm not exactly sure uh, what what the area of greatest emphasis is beyond Tyron. I mean, they've got a lot of things. I, obviously, they can always use more replenishing in the interior of uh, uh, both sides. Um, but I like where their skill positions are in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think just everything – hinges on them getting Tyron back in the fold
0: and sam we both know this as well Tyron matthew is going to be a priority but but hey orlando brown don't forget he played this year they traded for him he's in the final year of his contract melvin ingram is in the final year of his contract and she's had some decisions to make don't they sam
1: yeah i think the first two that you mentioned are, are priority one and two and I think they have a solution with Orlando Brown. If they don't work something out with him, I think they'll franchise tag him based on the way he played late in the season. I don't know that Tyron Matthews is going to give the Chiefs a discount. And, you know, I I could see that one going either way. Um, But, you know, when you look at the Chiefs' priority, they had defenses play the same way against them all season. Their internal questions need to be, what can we do to prevent defenses like that from being successful against us? And one of the answers is to get a number two wide receiver, a, a, a guy that can run the underneath stuff because they've got guys that can run the deep ball. You know, Terry Kills midseason, he's tired of running the 10-yard outs. Um, find somebody who does run the 10-yard outs. Um, so I, I think receiver needs to be a priority. They've got to get an edge rusher. Um, if it's not Melvin Ingram, I and mean, I don't think it will be. They need to get somebody more reliable there. Um, they're going to have to play, replace Tyron Matthew if they don't re-sign him. Traverius um, Ward's a free agent. I mean, I think that's a big mm-hmm. one as well. So there's – there's a lot of questions, I think, about what, where they go in the offseason, but they're still going to be one of the favorites. I, I, in fact, I'd be surprised if they don't open next season as Super Bowl favorite. Um, but we just found out that they opened this year with a Super Bowl favorite and, and what happened to them at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, and the Chiefs have plenty of time now to go ahead and dive into who's going to be replacing whom. Uh, the Senior Bowl kicks off next week. Then two weeks from now, you have the NFL scouting combine. Shortly after that, you'll have pro days, and then we're right smacking the free agency – Ladies and gentlemen, there is no such thing as an NFL offseason. That is name and name only. It is nonstop 365 a year. Look, I think if, if you had asked me last week, and we'll close with this. If you had asked me last week if the Bills had beaten the Chiefs, would I have been surprised? My answer would have been no, because, you know, I actually picked the Bills to win that game. And then quite frankly, it was a pick em game, in my opinion. This week... There was no way in my mind. I was thinking the Bengals were going to beat the Chiefs. This, this to me, it was a completely disappointing way for the Chiefs to end this season. And I think this team panel here would all agree. Vahe, you mentioned it uh, that it was a disappointment. Sam's nodding his head. Jesse, what about you? Was this a disappointing way for the Chiefs to end the year?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll just circle back to what I said before. Um, yeah, I, I wish you. never. <laughs> I I just would have never envisioned. I mean, I'm. I got to be honest, guys, I am constantly amazed by Patrick Mahomes, and he is so many things in this franchise, but he also does the little things so well. He knows time score momentum. He knows when to take timeouts. It looks like he's played football for 50 years. You know what I mean? And those are the sorts of things that he kind of let the Chiefs down today. And and that that to me is surprising. I mean, I I would not have expected coming in this game that they'd have a 21 to three lead and that he would be uh, one of their biggest problems in the second half. And again, that doesn't mean he's going to be bad moving forward. It means he's going to be an awesome moving forward. But for a half, the Bengals got to him and got in his head, and um, that really resulted in the Chiefs demise in a way that I would have never expected coming into this game.
0: Yeah, Lala, what about you? How disappointing With and you just started this year, <laughs> so you got to see a lot. But how disappointing <laughs> was this Chiefs loss, in your opinion, in the grand scheme of things?
2: Yeah, it felt like the, the bills were kind of you know the you know beast that they you know had to slay. That felt like you know the bigger game in a way than this one, both with the ending, but even just in the lead up to it, um, you know, to as you guys said, you know, that game felt like much more of a toss up. You know, obviously with how, how crazy that entire uh, ending was, it felt like you know with today it was either going to be a blowout or uh, you know it was going to be close, and they're going to be able to you know squeeze out a win, but you. I mean, I I didn't really, you know, think they're going to lose this one. And especially just having the 21 to three lead, I think is what makes it all the more disappointing is that, uh, you know, you're, you're up 18 points and you just completely, you know, give that up and un- unravel.
0: Sam, last thought for you, uh, as you look back at this 2021 season, if you could use a couple of words to describe the 2021 season, what would it be?
1: Uh- Turbulent, You know, I thought that this team would, would have a, a similar route as they had the last two years. And we saw them hit adversity that we didn't expect at three and four. And um, but they were riding all the momentum that they needed going into the playoffs. I really thought they had figured out the type of defenses that they were facing from the Bengals today. Um, so, you know, shocking ending. I, I did not anticipate they would lose to the Bengals and particularly we're gonna have 21 to 3 but it all goes back to, to what I wrote about and what I said at the top. You know, I I thought this franchise was past losses like this because they had Patrick Mahomes, and, and here we are talking about one of them.
0: Yeah, and here's something to note for the Bengals. The Bengals in Week 17 ended the Chiefs' eight-game win streak in the regular season. The Bengals in the playoffs end the Chiefs' desire to get to a third straight Super Bowl. So when you look at streak snappers – it's the Cincinnati Bengals against the Chiefs. That's a wrap for tonight's show. I will say this. Look, the show isn't the same uh, throughout the 2021 season. Blair, I hope you're watching uh, and then, you know, continue on with your recovery. We miss you deeply. But for us on the show, Sam McDowell, Vaje, whose power, wink, 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 <laughs> ran out, Jesse Newell. Lala Bromberg, our producer, Monty Davis in the back. I am Herbie T.O.B., and you have been watching Sportsbeat Live, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Good night from Arrowhead Stadium.